1: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry, and I'm Sarah Dowd. And today we are talking about a topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, and probably near and dear to the heart of anybody who has ever studied geisha or even really Japanese culture, because it comes up a lot. I first learned about this story in Jody Cobb's book. Uh, about geisha, and Jodie Cobb is a woman who was the only Westerner, to the best of my knowledge, to ever be fully indoctrinated into geisha culture. And because in the West, we often equate geisha, we think of them as like sort of high class call girls, but that's not really accurate at all. They're really artists. It's
2: kind of like misperceptions about the Ottoman harem almost. Right. Mm -hmm. Like
0: they were really, um, Women of great culture and really artists in their own right and performers. Um, and it was not completely void of a sexual element, but that really wasn't what it what that culture is about. Yeah. And so that book really opened the eyes, I think, to a lot of Westerners about it and also to the story of Okichi, who, uh, is really one of the sort of great tragic figures of geisha culture.
2: And when you told me what you were thinking of researching, I it didn't ring a bell, but mm-hmm. once I started reading about her story, I thought, oh, of course I've, I've, I've heard, heard this, this yeah. before. <laughs> and part of that is just because it has... A strong fairy tale element to it, except in the worst possible way. You know, yeah. a, a tragic, tragic story. Yes, um, but it it will probably be familiar to a lot of listeners, even if the name isn't familiar right away.
0: Yes, well, and even if uh, the story itself doesn't ring familiar to them, the themes of it do, because it really is, as you said, it's it's like your classic kind of tragic romance story. Uh, There are a lot of elements that are very common, and that's not really accidental, we'll discover, because a lot of this is an embellished tale that, you know, has grown in reputation and and the details have been fleshed out here and there along the way. And embellished
2: it's, for romance, it's embellished totally for tragedy. It's totally become
0: another thing than it probably was.
2: It has. So we're going to sort of do a classic Stuff You Missed in History class take on it then and, <laughs> and examine that story. The story that you're likely to hear. Yeah, the legend. The legend. And then what Historical basis, there really is for it, right? This sort of
0: less exciting and thrilling, but still reality. interesting. Once you, yeah. once you,
2: know the tale um, to see how it how it changes in interpretation. Yeah. Years.
0: So, uh, for quick background, Okichi was born in December 1841 in Shimoda, Japan. Uh, her parents, the psychos, were Ichibe and his wife Mako, and they were fishermen. I mean, they were in a uh, fishing village. Shimoda is the southernmost port city on the Izu Peninsula. So this was a time when Japan
2: was not open to the outside world. And that plays into this story pretty dramatically. But according to the legend, which is how we're going to kick it off, uh, Okichi was incredibly beautiful and was sold into a geisha house when she was 12 years old. And um, I guess if you've read this, this book about... Um, sort of the history of geisha, is that a normal age to be entering the geisha house?
0: Uh, yes. I mean, and and when we say she was sold into the geisha house, that in and of itself has some connotations that sound really bad. But for a lot of these families, having a daughter that couldn't contribute to the work of the day-to-day like needs of a fishing family, they couldn't afford to keep those children and raise them well and give them the things that they felt that they needed so it was really in many impoverished families eyes a better thing to be like go to this life of opulence where you will be given educated, everything taken and, care
2: of well yeah, you'll become
0: a woman of you know great grace culture. and beauty mm-hmm. um so it, while it sounds really creepy and it I mean it is it's yeah. unsettling to think that a family would be like we're gonna give you to these people not uncommon and as far as age, uh, I'm trying to remember because it has been a little while since I've read that whole book through. Um, but I mean, uh, I have heard accounts of kids much younger than that, even, where it's just from the get go. They kind of don't even have the resources to really get their kids through that early formative stage.
2: Well, in the amount of training that a geisha would have to go through, too, you yeah. would start very early. Yeah. If you're learning music and dance and um, things like that that take a, a Lifetime of practice. Yes.
0: Uh, and the bio- there's a biography about Okichi, which is often referenced in a lot of other literature about her called Butterfly in the Wind. And it's by Rei Kimura, And it's interesting because it's written very much in the style of a novel. Uh, so in terms of historical basis, I question it a little bit. Um, and she writes a lot uh, in a very prose fiction style where she talks about the inner feelings and the inner thoughts of of the characters of the story where you know there's really probably no historical yeah. um documentation that could lend sources to that. Uh but it is a good read and it, it's fundamentally, you know, kind of a um a really fleshed out in-depth version of the Okichi legend that gets told over and over. So, uh keep that in in mind as we go forward. <laughs> as we mentioned earlier, we're in the according to legend well, section.
2: And if you go off to, to do more research on this yourself, too, and, and you pick up the book and think, wait a minute, is this a historical novel? Yeah,
0: it definitely does not read as a textbook. Yeah. So it really is kind of a novelization of, of the story.
2: Uh, and in this book,
0: uh, we're told of Okichi meeting, even though she is in... Uh, in the geisha culture at this point, she meets a man, Tsurumatsu, in the aftermath of a storm that hits Shimoda. And a lot of people had to evacuate. And she meets him during that evacuation so stage. So kind of gets out
2: of the cloistered geisha training environment. Yeah. Thanks to this storm.
0: Well, and at that point she was already working as a geisha. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm trying to remember if she was still in the apprentice stage where she was working alongside another, or if she had already ascended to be, uh, in her own right, a fully fledged geisha. But, uh, you know, in Kimura's telling of the story, Okichi is troubled because the opulence of the geisha world and the sort of indulgence of it is very unsettling to her. She sees it as, you know, not really a how a person focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How a person should live. And she really dreams of like a simpler life. She wants to be a wife and a mother. And so when she meets surumatsu who is very kind to her And unlike the gentleman that she's been entertaining, he doesn't want anything from her. He's not, you know, she's not paid to make him make conversation with him. He just wants to be with her and care for her. And he doesn't care that she had been a geisha. Yeah. So she thinks all her dreams are about to come true.
2: Okay, but we know that's not going (laughs) to go down quite exactly as you might think. No, Because in 1853, Commodore Mm -hmm. Matthew Perry of the U.S. Navy first landed in Japan. And by 1854, he had sailed to Okichi's hometown, Shimoda Harbor, with a varying number of ships depending on the account you read. Which um, is
0: pretty startling because that's like a historically significant event. It's that extremely did
2: historically significant. I mean it's
0: huge but even so in different historical texts that are cited by other texts different numbers of the ships he brought I mean they change up. And some four to it's nine.
2: Four and some it's seven and some it's nine. But the most important part is not the number of ships, right. but what he was there to accomplish and to demand, really. He demanded that Japan establish trade and diplomatic relationships with the U.S. Because as you had mentioned earlier, Japan was a closed society and had been mm-hmm. for its history. Uh, so this was a... a That's a huge, huge milestone. ...shift in... Yeah. in in uh, world history, really, uh, but also pretty important in Okichi's life. Yes. Uh, Now, in some tellings of the story, the dates get
0: real sloppy. Um, In some tellings of the story, Okichi was seen by uh, Townsend Harris, who became the US consul in uh, 1856. And so already there's something dicey there because that's after these these treaties are being discussed. Remember this part.
2: This is gonna be the first thing we get into when we're (laughs) getting into some legend debunking.
0: Yeah. Uh so there is one version of the story where Townsend Harris sees her when she's seventeen. She's leaving a bathhouse with a friend of hers, uh, and he thinks she's quite lovely. She doesn't interact with him during that, but then later on people come into her life and say, by the way, we need you Because this gentleman thinks you're beautiful and if we can give you to him, it might grease the wheels of this whole negotiation process and make things go a lot smoother for us.
2: Because they were not going well at all at the time.
0: Um,
2: Other accounts, though, have Okichi not being seen at the bathhouse at all. Um, She was chosen by government officials because she was so lovely. Exactly. She'd be a good candidate. I'm sure he'll like her. Um, So in some versions, too they offer up something mm-hmm. for her taking on this role, and that is a job for her beloved, who is a, just a ship's carpenter, you know, a, a very simple sort of working man. Mm-hmm. Um, they offer to make him a samurai, high-profile, high-class position. Right. Other accounts, though, say that um, he was just moved out of the way, essentially. Yeah, he was given
0: a job in another town. Yeah,
2: it wasn't a, here's a reward if you do this. It's just getting him out of the way. Right. And um, that's because, depending again on accounts, they might have been engaged, they might have even been married. Right. He was- Those
0: accounts differ.
2: Some say they were
0: already married, some say they were engaged, some just say they were in love. mm mm-hmm. But he seems like a man who needed to be removed from the right. equation. <laughs> to make it all easier. Um, and in some cases, that's told as though it was offered up as a negotiation tactic with Okichi and Tsurumatsu. Like, we will make your lives easier financially if we can give Okichi to this foreigner. And in others, it's much harsher. And they just kind of gave her to the consul. And they just kind of pushed him off into something else.
2: Yeah. So, however that ended up going down, treaties were signed in Shimoda in June of 1854. The two signers in question were Commodore Matthew Perry for the U.S. and Daigaku Hayashi for the shogunate. And the agreements did have a major effect, as we keep saying, on on world history. They opened up Japan to international trade. Uh, So... It seems from our legend, at least, that maybe Okichi got the job done.
0: Yeah, but even the job that she was given is a little bit in question. It is. Um, and also, you know, so as a, a little brief sidebar, four months later, I believe, after um, Matthew Perry had wrapped up his business there, there were uh, Russian ships that also came. So right around the same time, it's not especially impactful on this story, but it's interesting because it does kind of point out how it started to domino very rapidly Mm -hmm. that Japan opened up to the U.S. trades, and then there was a Russian consulate almost immediately after that that opened as well. So it was such a hugely shifting Time for Japan. I mean, immediately after having been a close country, within five months, they were trading regularly with two other countries already. Two
1: major countries. Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
0: privileges and start earning points toward your next day find a stay for any you book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true
3: happy pride from tomboy x we just dropped our pride 24 collection queer founded queer run and creating size and gender inclusive underwear swimwear and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin visit tomboyx.com to shop
0: explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Um, so, Ogichi, though, did live with Harris, who, uh, as we mentioned, went on to become the U.S. consul yeah. uh, for a time. <laughs> Again, depending on the story, three years. Three days the number three seems to be important but it's a pretty <laughs> it's a
0: pretty vast
2: difference. pretty big difference for how long you live with somebody uh, and then all sorts of versions of the legend of, of what she did while she lived with him right uh, whether she was some sort of... Assassin. This is a dramatic movie version of the tale. sent yeah. to kill him, undercover geisha, I guess, uh, but ends up being loyal to him. Ends up saving his life. In other versions, she's sent to Harris by the Shogunate as a spy. So not somebody to, to ease this, um, this treaty negotiation at all, but to to see what the U.S. representatives were up to.
0: Yeah. And there's a great deal of debate and discrepancy in accounts of whether or not their relationship was consummated. Um, she has been described as his lover, as his housekeeper, as his nurse. Um, there are people that believe that she served until the American consulate closed as like the local mistress for the consulate. I mean, the, it's all very, it goes ev- from everything from a, like a chaste, caring nurse to... A prostitute, basically. Yeah, a consulate prostitute. And every version in between, you know, embellish at will, apparently, is how that one went. Well, Whichever version you like the best is the one you tell. I know, it is.
2: It's a very much uh, choose-your-own-ending story because it, it just gets um, even more out there, too, as it goes on. Yeah. Because after Harris left Japan... Okishi was left behind. And this is sort of the central focus of the legend. That yeah. being left and then being a shunned woman. Um, yeah. Somebody who... Uh, was called Tojin Okichi. Um, so the mistress of a foreigner, the mistress of a barbarian. Yeah. Uh, a derogatory name for her. Yeah. Um, and she was
0: basically ruined. Yeah,
2: ru- ruined for, from this association, whatever it might have been, with this foreigner. And the stress of, of being shunned by her the people she knew um, her her hometown led to a drinking habit.
0: Yeah, which got very serious. Yeah,
2: and obviously her career too as a successful geisha was was not going to progress. She couldn't
0: really just spark that back up. No, because so, she really I mean no one would pay for her to to come and be an entertainer entertain, at their yeah. party mm-hmm. because she was, you know, kind of considered trash at that point Tainted unfortunately. Woman.
2: So, uh, she, you know, had to look for other work eventually and some reports and, in the book we mentioned to tell a story of trying to start a hair salon business. You know, Geisha, of course, have the elaborate hairstyles, right. uh, which signify all sorts of things about, mm-hmm. about them too. I think, uh, um, Molly and Kristen did an episode on that some time ago. Yeah. And, uh, Steph Mom never told you, but that didn't go as planned. No,
0: it turned out that the, you know, the society women that she was hoping to draw with her knowledge were not the ones that wanted to go there because she was, again, still seen in a dark light. And so her clientele tended to be women of ill repute. Yeah, the uh, high
2: class women in the town didn't want to be seen. Right. Going they
0: didn't want to so associate with her. Uh, which is really, really sad. But in the meantime, you have to wonder what happened to her love. And some stories never mention him again. They just kind of jump to how Okichi's story ends. But in others, and this happens in the book, they are reunited for a time. Um, but it's a very conflicted relationship. Initially, when she meets him again, she almost doesn't want to be with him. Like, she can't quite wrap her mind around it. Uh, but then they do strike up this relationship, but she's conflicted consistently about dragging Tsurumatsu and his business. He was a very popular carpenter down with her disgrace. And it's very dramatic. And it's told in various versions, there are various levels (laughs) of drama, but there is lots of drunkenness. There are fights where they talk about her having um, hung on to the fact that he left in the first place Mm -hmm. when the whole deal with the, the console was going on. Um, And, you know, it was really on a trajectory that they could never get to a positive place again. Uh, they both start to develop pretty heavy alcoholism issues. And eventually uh, Tsurumatsu's best friend convinces her that if she really loves him, she has to leave him because his, he's not getting business anymore because people don't want to be associated with her even peripherally through him. Through mm-hmm. him.
2: But his time is short anyway. He dies a year later of a heart attack. And Okichi lived in Kyoto and Mishima for a time, um, possibly working as some sort of geisha in the darkest versions of the story as a prostitute. Mm -hmm. Um, And then finally did return to Shimoda, where she opened up a restaurant. She called it Encho Koro, but... It didn't do well, lost money due to poor management. Um, Okichi was not in a uh, state to run a business, intoxicated a lot of the time. Employees apparently stole from her. Yeah,
0: there's one story of an employee that is fairly conscientious trying to tell her, like, people are stealing, don't you care? And she's just kind of too drunk to care. And so it turns that employee where they're like, if she doesn't care, I'm just going to start stealing from the till as well. Uh, so you can see where that's not really a good way to run a business.
2: No, it, but eventually, though, there was kind of a change in sentiment about her. Mm-hmm. Oh, maybe we've been too harsh. Maybe she has been misjudged. But she was in debt by that point, uh, despairing of how her life turned out, and it didn't do much to help her at that point. No. So she died by suicide in 1892 at the age of 51 by drowning herself near Shimoda yeah. uh, in the book too. It's on March 25th, which is
0: right. There's actually a festival day. which yeah. we we'll talk about a little bit more and it's on a different day. Um, and the day in the book, March 27th, which is when the festival actually happens in real life today. Um, and it is touted as the day she died in the book that's actually the day that a local priest took pity on her because no one claimed her body initially and after two days, he just couldn't take it and he claimed her and and found a place for her in his temple to be buried. Uh, and that's the legend, which is horribly
2: sad. That's her legend. So she's dead at 51, this tragic life, uh, living with the American consulate for, or consul for, some number uh, of, three 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 days to three years, and having her life, uh, spiral downward in consequence. But according to historians, a lot of the details of that story are not true at all. And I'm sure that's apparent just from the discrepancies. so dramatic. Did she open these businesses? Well, we know one of the businesses really existed.
0: uh, Because the restaurant is still there. Um, And then the very bland version that comes up uh, among historians is that Okichi and another young woman were housekeepers for Harris for a very short time and her downward spiral in life was not really unrelated. To yeah, that. I mean there could have been a shadow cast on her reputation by things, but that it was not nearly as dramatic as as what's often told in her story.
2: Yeah. So, um, the major discrepancy though, and we told you to remember this part, <laughs> yeah. it has to do with the timeline and the treaties because according to the legend Okichi is clearly offered up as some sort of uh, treaty bonus. Yeah. (laughs) Work out the treaty with the help of this young lady who is a talented geisha. But Doesn't she, add up. she's always only
0: linked to Townsend Harris. Yeah. And he actually did not get to Japan until 1856. So he wasn't even there when that treaty was happening. He did work on other treaties that came up along the way as, you know, shifting politics and trade needs were addressed, uh, which is actually called the Harris Treaty of 1858, much later after... Uh, this whole story was unfolding and it's also called the Treaty of Amity and Commerce Uh, but he could not have been offered Okichi to make those initial talks go well Um, because
2: he wasn't in Japan he wasn't there yet he was doing other things Um, more discrepancies on the nature of the relationship and the timeline Um, Harris was he was the first foreigner that
0: lived on Japanese soil yeah um but yeah as we mentioned earlier there's a, a one source that says she was only there for 3 days and not even until May of 1857 so again nowhere near when he was when the treaties were happening when he first got there um
2: And this one kind of cracks me up. This is my favorite. You should read it then. (laughs) Okay, so we told you that one possibility was that Okichi served as a nurse to Harris. That was the extent of their relationship. There is a large monument in front of the main building of the temple commemorating the beginning of cow milk uh, being consumed in Japan. And Harris supposedly was a big milk fan. He drank a lot of milk because he had ulcers and it helped with them. And it kind of in it's, a sort of roundabout way it kind of
0: supports the nurse story
2: supports maybe he was a guy who needed a nurse and
0: in the sort of novelized history of her life they do there are instances where she is asked to go get more milk because they almost can't <laughs> keep up with his need for milk and she doesn't really want to go out because the the villagers don't like her and they've already started to shun her and but she has to get milk for him and it's it's very dramatic stuff um but yeah i mean the all of those embellishments were really Developed likely through gossip and rumor. I mean, we know it you don't have to be in 1850s Japan to love gossip. There are lots of stories that happen in modern era that just grow so outlandish and bizarre that they couldn't possibly be true, but people believe them. Certainly,
2: yeah. Uh,
0: and Okichi's story, even though it, you know, is in large part, chunks of it are not true, we're pretty sure, um, it's very, very popular and it's actually become a big thing in Shimoda. It's, it's memorialized tu- throughout the, the city. city. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Merchants sell Okichi souvenirs to tourists. There are tourist attractions built around her story. Um, Hofukuji, which is the, um, the temple where she was taken after she had passed and buried. Uh, it's a 16th century temple. And, As we said, no one had claimed the body, and a priest that knew her family took pity on her and arranged for her to be buried there. And there's also a museum there of her possessions, like combs and some of her musical instruments from when she was a geisha. Um, But the weirdest part to me is that her legend, and I was unable to find out what version of the legend this was, but her legend is relayed on a loudspeaker. In both English
2: and Japanese for tourists. Cause I mean, clearly the legend loses a little of its, um, loudspeaker appeal if you're, <laughs> if you're saying, well, okay, she some sources amazing. say, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guy might have had ulcers. She was just delivering milk. Um, it, it's a strange thing to consider. I guess if anybody has visited this site, we would love to hear more about what specifically is yeah. relayed over the loudspeaker, what version of the legend. But uh, the most touching part of the story, because I think that we can we can assume that this part is true, her beloved is buried with her there.
0: Yes. And uh, again, I have seen pictures. I haven't been. Uh, but I have seen pictures of their two sites, and they are side by side. Uh, There's really no verification in any sources that I found that, yes, he is actually there Mm -hmm. or if it was just a monument erected. Um, The idea is lovely regardless. Uh, And then her restaurant is also a tourist destination now. Anchokuro is um, still a restaurant on the first floor, but part of the second floor, like one room, is dedicated as an Okichi museum.
2: There are also a lot of other okichi items on display at Gyokasenji, which is a Buddhist temple that uh, became the American consulate in 1856. And uh Harris lived in the temple for a year, too, yeah. making it a pretty... Integral part of the story. Where the
0: American consulate in Japan began was in that temple.
2: Yeah, so the temple displays pipes and dishes and other belongings of of Harris's, as well as life size figurines of Harris in Okichi. And this is another one where, if you have been there, we would like to have more information about. Well, and
0: (laughs) there is a Time article about it where they describe them as kind of ghastly. Like, it's a really creepy. Thing. But again, that's through one person's eyes. Other people may find them very touching and romantic.
2: Yeah, seeing them in, in person almost. Uh, the nicest part of this story, I think, although, again, the date is a little strange if, if this is the day they choose to commemorate. But mm-hmm. um, Okichi is honored every year with a festival on March 27th. Right, um, which is
0: either the anniversary of her death or the, the anniversary burial. that... The priest cleaned her body and took her back to the temple.
2: Yeah, so people do remember this woman, and she's
0: kind of become a symbol of how you know people can be victimized by the changing winds of culture. Yeah, and a
2: symbol of, of that of that time, yeah. for sure. Um, the there's also some film adaptations. There, there is, <laughs>
0: well, there's one uh, called Toji no Kichi, which. Uh, it was very old. I believe it was made in the 1930s. And there's only like four minutes of surviving footage, which is like a brief dance section. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really tell much of the story. It's like literally almost watching... Um, a documentary of a geisha performing. But there was another movie in 1958 called The Barbarian and the Geisha, and it's actually starring John Wayne and a Japanese actress named Eiko Ando. And it uh, was filmed on location in Japan, which was a big deal when the movie came out. And it's directed by John Huston, who already had established a pretty... Um, spectacular career at that point.
2: I've got to see this movie now. It's, it's interesting. It's
0: very, very interesting because, like, if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, it's only like I think it's fifty three percent. Um, but then if you look at it in iTunes in the movie store, like, there's a lot of really good reviews of it, where some people are like, "I think this is the great unsung role of John <laughs> Wayne's career," but other critics Tonsonaris. will be like, "This was the biggest misstep of both John Wayne and John Houston." Like, it was just. It did not go over well, even though it was beautiful because it was set set on filmed location, in Japan yeah, um, and they really did do some at that point in the
2: fifties too, which yeah, I and mean, you
0: didn't really bring a whole crew out to another country at that point, yeah, uh, well,
2: I want to see it all the more, but I mean, I couldn't help thinking too. just for
0: John Wayne in his little um, <laughs> his robes it's like it's worth it <laughs>
2: um i I couldn't help but think though that. It's maybe time for another adaptation of this. Yeah. Um, It's such a compelling story. It does seem so uh, suitable for fiction. I mean, maybe that's why the historical accounts of it seem to be tinged pretty strongly (laughs) with with fictional elements. Yeah. Um, It's one of those stories where the historical basis is great and it's a good kickoff point, but maybe more could happen with it in in fiction. (laughs) It could be a series. (laughs) Well, I, I kind of love the idea of the geisha spy. Yeah. Well, and
0: she is not in, in the movie. She mm. is sent as an assassin and kind of moves into a spy role before she becomes, they become very fond of each other and fall in love. And it's very dramatic and, you know, really kills him to leave her behind. And it's...
2: So I guess I'm basically requesting a spy movie, but also... <laughs> Uh, also a, a tragic romance too. I mean.
0: Yeah, and because there is so little actual documentation, it's so easy for this to be even further embellished. Have at it, filmmakers. <laughs> yeah, Go crazy. Go crazy. <laughs> so, while sad, I think it is lovely that, uh, she has, you know, been redeemed in history Again, we don't know the the value of the actuality of what happened. But as a symbol, she's really become very important to kind of recognize the um just the ways in which people's lives are genuinely affected by current events. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when people become pawns, it destroys lives. So it's good to have that re- remembrance and have her honored in in the way that she is now at the festival. So sad story, but with sort of a happy coda to it.
2: Yes, I'd say so. Yeah, um, it's it's always good to, to have a festival day. If <laughs> <laughs> you have
0: to have a tragic life, at least you get a festival at least you afterwards. Get a festival in the long run. Oh, and maybe another movie.
1: Glow with your best skin. Be confident in your skin.
0: privileges and start earning points toward your next day. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true.
3: Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop.
2: Okay, so moving on to listener mail today, I thought I would include some real mail. I have a nice postcard. It is from Renata in Omaha, and she wrote to say, Hi ladies, I took my grand tour of Europe before your podcast started. So now that I've finally gone somewhere interesting again, I didn't want to miss my opportunity to send you mail. I'm on a week-long trip to China for college, and have been learning a ton about the Dragon Lady. If you visit the Forbidden City, you can see her summer palace, which is amazing. I would definitely recommend a warmer month because um, Renata was there in January and apparently found it rather chilly. A little cold. Uh, but that's really cool. Uh, the Dragon Lady was such a fun episode to to talk about. And I love it, as I always say, when um, people are inspired to take trips. Yes. based on the podcast. And Forbidden Cities on my bucket list.
0: Oh, and yeah. now they have a Starbucks, so I'm covered. <laughs> <laughs> they
2: really do. Good to go. That was the one thing that was holding you back, Holly. Yeah, yeah they couldn't get coffee. <laughs> um, I have to mention, too, since you guys know um, I like the stamps, the international stamps uh-huh. that we get on the postcard. This one has the coolest one. It's it a is, good stamp. It's crocodiles. Um, I mean, kind of No, cuddling. alligators. I'm They're sorry. kind of cuddling. They are kind of cuddling. There's like a littler alligator who's resting his chin uh, in a sleepy way on the other alligator's back who's smiling at the reader. It's quite dear. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for choosing such a good stamp. And a beautiful postcard. And a lovely postcard. And I'm glad you had fun. So if you would like to learn more about... Uh, the topic we've talked
0: about today, you can go to our website, type in the word geisha in the search bar and you will get the article How Geisha Work. Uh, if you would like to contact us, you can do so via Twitter.
2: Yeah, on Twitter and we're also on Facebook and we are at historypodcasts at discovery.com for email and uh, yeah, we'll be getting your email soon. We'd love to hear from
0: you and if you want to research almost anything else you can think of, you should do that on our website, which is howstuffworks.com
1: all year long, check out Ole's new indulgent moisture body wash online or at your favorite retailer.
3: Hello, iHeart listener. We have a confession to make. Both iHeart and this commercial you're listening to right now would probably sound a heck of a lot better on the new Roku Pro Series TV. It's got side-firing speakers that fill your room with sound, Dolby Atmos audio that puts you right in the middle of the entertainment, and the ability to pair seamlessly with your home theater sound systems that already have surround sound and booming bass.